Welcome to Self-Compassionate Professor, a podcast helping academics and former academics to find wellness, meaning, purpose, and freedom in life and career. I'm Danielle Delamar. Glad you're here. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Sunday. I know if you've listened to the podcast enough, you know that I like the number two, two. And today is August 22nd. So I'm excited about that. Um, And it is a good day, not just because it's August 22nd. It's a good day because my family is giving me a little space today. So I get to be home and my husband took both kids out, away. And um, I I don't know, I just get to focus and (laughs) I don't know, be introspective and enjoy space and enjoy time and all the stuff that I don't get to do regularly when I'm with my whole family. So thank you to my husband, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking them away for just a few hours today. Uh, So yeah, it's Sunday. I got a little space. Um, We are going to talk, I'm going to be talking to Mildred on today's episode. Mildred, if you've been following along, is the woman who called me for an informational interview. And that informational interview that she conducted with me was last week's episode. And this week, Mildred and I sit down together to debrief about how that informational interview went. And actually, we come to conclude that it is not an informational interview in the sort of true sense. Um, And so we came to call it a journey interview. Nonetheless, even though it's not sort of an informational interview in the truest sense, you will find that that what we talk about is super useful for you when you do do informational interviews. And you might also find that if you are not at the stage yet of doing an informational interview, a journey interview might be more appropriate for you. So definitely listen to today's podcast. It's super helpful in a lot of different ways. And before we get into that, I just wanted to mention that I'm going to be teaching a mindful self-compassion online course, and it's going to be specifically for PhDs who are on the job market. The course will be free, and it's free because I've taught this course before, but I've never taught it in a webinar sort of format. I've taught it to university faculty before. I've taught it to university students before, um, but I've not taught it to job seekers before. So what the course is really supposed to do is, uh, is help people who are going through sort of the trauma of being on the job market, because let's face it, it is traumatic. So if you are, you know, you've lost your job due to the pandemic or you're trying to get out of academia or you've been on the job market for a long time and you're starting to feel burned out or hopeless, 
if you are a PhD who's on the job market and it is not feeling good and you are feeling stressed and you are feeling anxious, this class is a good class for you to take. Um, what I'm doing in the class is I'm combining my expertise in mindful self-compassion. I'm a trained mindful self-compassion teacher through the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion at the University of California, San Diego. And I'm combining that expertise with my career coaching expertise. And what we know from 20 years of research on self-compassion is that self-compassion is linked to well-being. So it's strongly associated with fewer negative states um, like depression, like anxiety, like stress, like shame. And it's more strongly linked to positive states like happiness, life satisfaction, optimism. And this is the fun part. If you can be self-compassionate when you're in a negative state, that self-compassion, if you have the skills to practice it, can actually alleviate the intensity of that negative state. Uh, so obviously, this is huge for people who are in the stress in that stressful situation of being on the job market. If you're stressed or anxious or feeling shame, it will absolutely show in your application materials. It will absolutely show in your ability to network well, which is something that Mildred and I talk about in today's episode. It will also show up obviously in your interviews. And so what so you'll find that self-compassion is this really useful way to sustain yourself through the difficult period of being on the job market. Like I said, the class is free. I'm doing it because I I need practice at doing this online. And I need practice at doing it with job seekers specifically. So if you're willing to sort of jump into that with me and be okay with my messing up a little bit, um, then I invite you to join me. Um, the class would start October 15th of this year, so 2020, and it will go for six weeks, one hour per week via Zoom, and then it ends November 19th which is just a week before the Thanksgiving holiday. So the meeting itself will be via Zoom and it will be held at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on those Thursday mornings. So if you're interested, if you're willing to roll with the punches, and if you're interested in building community with other people who are going through the same kind of stress as you, and if you're interested in building a skill set, you know, the self-compassionate skill set that can help you in any difficult period in your life, you should definitely check it out. So email me if you're interested and if you're obviously available at those times I just mentioned. I am at Danielle at selfcompassionateprofessor.com. So it's Danielle spelled D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E -E at selfcompassionateprofessor.com. So just email me, put course in the subject line, 
tell me that you're interested and then I will reach out to you and I want us to have a one-on-one conversation about whether or not the course would be a good fit for you. Okay, that's all I got for today for my little intro. Now I'm going to turn the time over to Mildred and sort of the debriefing of the informational interview that we did in last week's episode. All right, take care, everyone. Happy Sunday. I am talking today to Dr. Mildred Yee, and you would have listened to a little bit of our conversation that we had in an informational interview last episode. This is a two-part series. So the first one is the actual informational session or informational interview um, that we did. And then today we are going to debrief it and talk about how it went and what people can expect when they do their own informational interviews. So let's go ahead and just start with how did it go, Mildred? You, this was, was this your first informational interview you've ever conducted? I, um, I think I want to say this is my second and, um, first most, uh, I guess intentional (laughs) in that I'm, I'm the one who had to actually seek it out. The first one, that person was offering just open sessions to sign up. So it was easier to, you know, go through that process rather than just putting it out there if, if anyone's interested. So I think I mentioned in our interview, information interview, that um, it was a very big step for me to even let the LinkedIn community, a community to know that I was actually in this stage and looking for people to talk to. I think just announcing to the world that I am considering leaving my profession was hard. You know, um, yeah. yeah. Even if even if it's a group of people that I'm currently not associated with in my circle, just in my state or in my university. Um, so that was the first barrier, um, announcing mm. that even for myself, like here myself announced that, oh, here I am. Someone is looking to transition. <laughs> Um, and then because I was at a stage where I did not have very specific professions, pathways or roles that I was trying to get information about, I was still kind of in that search process and, um, I didn't know who, where to start. So I kind of wanted to start more open. Yeah, which I think is really interesting, right? Because Mm -hmm. most people, when they're talking about informational interviews, they're talking like, I took some time Mm -hmm. to really figure out what I wanted to do and who, and not that, not that I knew exactly what I wanted to do, but I at least targeted this group of professionals Mm -hmm. and I talked to them, but you were like, Hey, whatever you're doing, if you left, left academia, tell me about it. Yeah, and I noticed that I was also very self-conscious because I I was one. I felt like there were there were not others coming from the arts field, you know, because my background is in music, um, and music and education, and I did not see others in that field looking to transition. That I didn't know who would talk to me, you know. <laughs> That's why I was like, let me see who would actually respond because I noticed someone who's saying, oh, I, I have a PhD in some social science, some specific subject. 
I noticed a lot of people respond and say, oh, yeah, I have, you know, I'm also from this field and this is where I am. I'd love to talk. Actually, you were the only one. <laughs> and That's which, so interesting. Yeah. And, and then I noticed that someone else who was coming from a different field or, you know, maybe they were more specific about uh, career pathway. I noticed they were getting more responses, but because mine was more open, I felt like because my mind was open and maybe because saying I'm coming from music and education, I just also wondered if that was part of that. That's why I was interested in why you might have responded <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Well, I, I, I want to tell you, mm-hmm. I responded to you because I immediately felt a sense of connection because I knew what it was like to be out on the informational mm-hmm. interview path and always trying to connect to people and always trying to get more information and trying to do it um, in in a non-weird way. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking, and so I guess when I saw that you put that out there, it was me like wanting to give you it's like it was sort of like a virtual hug like oh my gosh I know where you've been Mm -hmm. and so many people have been so good to me and given me so many informational interviews and I know it's not fun and it's kind of scary when you first start so I'll totally do it and that's the reason I did it um but I do find it really interesting what you said about um, if people are more specific, like I yes. want to interview people in this field, mm-hmm. then there's more willingness to talk. Yeah. And it seems like the, the, what you call it, the suspicion, like it's coming from both sides. Like, Oh, who would, I could see the other person thinking like who, if they'd be interested in hearing about my job, because they didn't really specify if they're even interested in this field. So I could see kind of that being a barrier. Um, but with your title, it just seems so, it just seems so. Right, uh, career right. coach. You're like, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, the self-compassionate part, that part of it. You know, the compassion oh, part of I it. See. Because knowing, just kind of having empathy for someone who's in that place versus, oh, mm-hmm. I'm here to give them all the information that you have about career coaching. It was seemed like it was beyond that, Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. It was not, it was just, it was just sort of a, yeah, I would totally mm-hmm. be willing to help you on this path because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's hard and I know it is, especially in the beginning. Yeah. And I do want to ask, was there any hesitation because of my field? So, which I'm very self-conscious about. Okay. So there was no hesitation from me. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. But, um, so this sounds like it's totally something in your head. So yeah. you talk about that. Why is that? Why were you feeling self-conscious? Just from observation from others who in that group or people I hear about, I just have not heard from anyone who's coming from my field. Maybe education, yes, but not necessarily music. So in that, I just felt very much like the oddball. <laughs> and, oh, why isn't there others who is like, am I, why am I being weird to be wanting to leave the field? Maybe people in my field don't leave, you know? And so oh. it was both. Like, I just didn't see others in familiar paths. Because I could see, like, if someone had been where I was and they're in a different place, they could go back and, you know, like, be willing to talk about their transition process. But I just haven't seen it. 
okay, so there's this sense that like, I'm the only one doing this. <laughs> I must be ridiculous <laughs> because nobody, everybody else knows what they're doing and they're staying in music. <laughs> and I left and now I'm trying to kind of do something else mm-hmm. and I must be ridiculous. Is mm-hmm. that, is, am I capturing yeah, it? What else would you say yeah. about that? Yeah, I just feel like there's like no one, like, yeah, you just feel, yeah, ridiculous and just really out of place because you're not seeing it from, in that community. Okay. Okay. So I, so I think that that is a really good point that I want everybody to take a second and pause and think about that. If you feel out of place, if you feel like you're not like worthy enough to be asking for informational interviews, and I don't know if that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if maybe I'm being too dramatic when I say it like that, but if you're feeling some sense of like, I'm being ridiculous, I'm being, uh, I'm doing something weird or wrong, um, I think that it's probably safe to say that most people who start down the informational interview path are feeling some version of that. Mm. No matter what. Because it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. How did you prepare for the interview? Emotionally, Mm -hmm. uh, informationally, any of that? Okay. So practical preparation was looking at questions that were um, recommended. It really, I mean, they were all really geared toward um, just finding information about the job that person has, which I knew I wasn't quite there. And that's why I communicated from the beginning um, that that was I was looking for something a little more informal and wanting to learn about someone's journey and path. Because I knew that the expectation is that of information interview was a little more um, formal. Yeah, right, right. So, um, and the fact that I thought you, the fact that I think I announced that from the beginning, I'm just open to hearing. Um, I was kind of expecting the person who would be wanting to talk to me would be kind of in that open (laughs) mindset by willing to talk about the journey more than their current job. So it seems, you know, um, fitting how this this connection happened. So I did have some questions down because I didn't want to seem like, okay, just please talk and, you know, not have a plan. Um, But I noticed (laughs) that other than my first question of like, how did you end up and why did you choose this particular career, which came from the sample questions. um, And I did have some other kind of follow up, but I noticed that my follow up questions were based on the responses I received and level of openness as well as uh, very much related to what I was going through specifically at the time. So after the okay. first prepared question, it became more organic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we just talked about this just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want to point out to people that it is, did it it was at first a little and I I used the word awkward with Mildred when I was talking to her about it just now um it but I don't know that it was awkward because I don't think either of us we talked about this neither of us really felt awkward but there was a pace of conversation that was a little uh, a little less in sync and so early on 
we were talking over each other quite a bit more. And there was, um, there was a difference in emotional energy. I was more sort of excitable, <laughs> which is so funny. And I, I, I remember, and I will say this, I remember being really excited because you were willing to do this uh, via, uh, you were willing to, to do this through a recording and you were mm. willing to do it as uh, a, a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being like, this is so cool. Here I am, <laughs> you know, doing my first informational interview where I'm not actually conducting it. Somebody's mm. asking me questions and it gets to be on the podcast. And so I got excited about that. And I was so grateful and excited that you were willing to do it. So, and then on the other hand, you had gotten this thing sprung on you. And it was this like, hey, do you want to record this and like, you know, put it out there for the public? (laughs) So you were definitely much less excited than you You were just kind of like, oh, okay. So I don't know. First of all, let's talk about that. (laughs) Where? Tell me where you were at when all of this happened, when I sprung that on you and you were feeling all whatever it was you were feeling. Well, especially because... I really didn't have a reference to what it was going to be like, or feel like. I think that's why I was open to it. And because I didn't have a very specific like purpose and intent of like, okay, after this talk, I want to come out with something, you know, I'm, I'm mm. talking more about like job search related. And that way I was open to kind of uh, observing the process myself too. So I was just going to say, uh, I, I was thinking about what we were saying with um, the sort of weirdness of our conversation mm-hmm. early on. And then it got to a point where we were more in rhythm with each other. And I want to point that out to people. This is normal human conversation. <laughs> It takes time to start to sort of feel out the other person and know their rhythms and know what's appropriate to say and what's Mm -hmm. not appropriate to say. And you'll know when you get in an informational interview, if somebody is closed off to certain Mm -hmm. pieces of a topic, you just don't ask. Mm -hmm. But you were feeling a sense of like openness Mm -hmm. in our conversation. And so you were able to ask questions as they emerged. Yes. Because of the nature of the conversation, which is not, you know, I was talked about earlier, it wasn't as formal, it wasn't based on all the recommended questions about what entails, you know, an informational interview. I just feel like there is a stage before the formal in- in- informational interview that maybe, I don't know if it's like neglected or um, that needs to be known. I know mm-hmm. I've heard people talk about soft start when you're kind of doing a like survey of different fields. Right. But even before that step, I feel like just being able to talk to somebody, listen to somebody talk about their process seems like, at least for me, that was my like springboard to go to the next thing. So it just seems like there's this like pre stage (laughs) before Mm -hmm. the formal interviewing, um, where you physically like hear somebody talk about their experiences, which is very different from, you know, reading a Twitter feed or just um, somebody in a, like a panel interview panel or like a presentation in a workshop or something like that. Just like a very personal communication of their experience. Uh, Like for me, that was needed to even get to the actual 
stage of doing <laughs> international informational interview. It was part of the research. It was the mm, it was mm-hmm. the pre it was the research before it's the research yeah. you do before you actually do the interview. Yes. But with a person. And it was just, <laughs> just oh not my by God, yourself. Right? <laughs> Yes. And how and how much better is it to do it with a person? You mm-hmm. actually, like you said, you're so much more, you, you get to connect and really stay with their story and be with their story. And you're not just reading a bunch of like, I don't know, bullet points about mm-hmm. how you should conduct the research. Mm-hmm. And I remember you talking about, I think towards the end of the interview, that there's a part that people don't really talk about or we hear about. It's like that actual change you know, that you just kind of hear the before and after story um, and not so much like really like what happened in the middle of it, you know, (laughs) to get there. And I feel like this is like another, this is like the before part. There's that middle place you don't hear about. There's that pre-transition process you don't really hear about. So this seemed to just, this experience seemed to kind of speak to that. And like for me, it addressed what was needed. You know, it actually basically like satisfied what was needed to get to that beginning stage. Okay, so tell me about that. What did you what did you gather? What most resonated mm-hmm. with you from that interview? And by the way, I wouldn't mind calling it like a journey interview based yeah, on what okay. you just said. Yeah. So I mean, we do I, like a journey interview mm-hmm. and then we move on to yeah. the informational interview after we have clarity about what we want to do. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. what did you get out of the interview, the journey interview? Yeah, I mean, I noticed that just e- even from the start in the heights, I hear, I'm really interested by hearing your process and kind of like the how. Um, and then I think it just kind of stayed there, which I think all my follow-up questions were about the how, different aspects about the journey. I think just, as I mentioned earlier, just like physically hearing somebody talk about their experience was already what you're intending to do, you know, that process, like people actually do this and the fact that people actually like uh, are successful in doing it, um, it just gave me a little more confidence in my process and that, yeah, it was empowering for me to just like actually hear somebody talk about their own experiences and there were a lot of things I could relate to um, because of your level of your openness. And it also actually confirmed some of some of my own questioning about why I was trying to leave because I don't think right now even right now I'm 100% sure that this is the right move right but then hearing about um, some of the experiences that were very similar um, whether it's like level of just um, just how much you are invested in your job and your work and your path toward you know tenure um and just loss of quality of life you know focus on your marriage family and basically again leading to health issues um it just felt also familiar that i realized oh actually um you know kind of affirmed some of the things that i've experienced and i was when i when i had asked about how long was that journey and when you said four years, that you actually endure through that transition. If it's going to take me four years to get there, and I'm by that time I'm aged, whatever, like, is it even <clears> worth <throat> doing that change? You know, oh. so that and that ended up becoming, yep, another reason to not go forth with it. So that it's 
that people have endured through that middle place, and then you come out doing something even more fulfilling, was the part that was you know encouraging and giving me okay. more confidence that yes, you know, it's I I can also start that process too, right? Knowing that it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, I hear people say like, yeah, it might take a year or two, you know, and I'm three, four, <laughs> and that's just normal. It just kind of normalized the process. Um, I feel like my journey did have started already. I just didn't know like how, how much more there, you know, that needs to take place. Um, and so, yeah, that just, yeah, I think like the fact that it's kind of normalized the process and now like, oh my gosh, I failed in my first professional life and here I am yet again <laughs> failing in my transition to the next thing oh, it just oh. became part of that that narrative of like okay you know it takes four years to someone to get an undergrad degree so like here at my church trying to redo everything <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah so that was I feel my, that yeah, no, it feels so painful to think of it that way. Oh, well, and I think that the, the big issue is that we have this cultural perception of how stuff should work. Yeah. It should be fast, right? Mm -hmm. It should be certain. We should be clear. And if yeah. we're not, we are wrong yeah. and bad and <laughs> a failure. And that's not how life is. Mm -hmm. the, like, all of that is just so fake like those cultural messages are not based in reality at all mm -hmm. and I think um and I think just being uncertain and living with the uncertainty mm -hmm. there's a beauty in that because yeah. then you're not putting pressure on yourself to to do it this way and do it that way and make sure mm -hmm. instead when you have that uncertainty mindset like I don't know where I'm going I'm just gonna walk this path and see where it leads mm -hmm. and I'm gonna notice what energizes me and mm -hmm. I'm gonna notice what connects me and I'm gonna notice what I love mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna move through that path based on those things like oh my gosh the self-pressure is like gone of mm -hmm. course, uh, of course, you know, it's always going to come up and you're always going to have the cultural messages that come out at you. But if you can mm -hmm. speak that back to those cultural messages and say, mm -hmm. no, no, you don't have to know it all. And it's okay to be uncertain. Like that just feels so much better. And when you feel better, and like, we know this based on yeah. research, when we feel better, when we're not in a place of anxiety, uh -huh. we make better decisions and we connect with people in much more authentic ways. And when you're like, eh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to go do some informational interviews. Mm -hmm. People can tell that you're in a space of uncertainty and the space of uncertainty is a space of curiosity. It's a mm -hmm. space of um, connection and, and people see that and they like that and opportunities open mm -hmm. up when you're in that space, as opposed to, mm -hmm you know, I have to get this done and I have yeah. to get this interview, blah, blah, blah. I got to get these questions in and, oh my gosh, I'm running out of time. I got to answer. I got to ask yeah. more questions. And, and then you just come off as somebody who's not very interesting to talk mm. to or be yeah. with. And then your opportunities get squelched, right? Interesting perspective. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause they get to, yeah, it's both ways. You're getting information from them, but they're all, they're, the interviewee is getting a sense of that person's 
mindset and just overall character and how they're going to approach this, you know, which is sometimes a very big part of like war culture, <laughs> you know, oh eventually gosh, yes. if that becomes something, right? Right. And I, you know, I was going to respond to that place of like not knowing. And I feel like the, the level of difficulty it is at this like midlife stage. Of course, I think this could happen for anyone who is going through career transition, whether kind of what kind of experience they had. But I feel like for me, this is a result of not listening to that voice earlier on in my like, well, for not just in my professional life, but even as a student going all the way back to even college. And I feel like it has caught up to me and now I'm having to really do something about it. Um, and so I think that's why the weight is even like heavier <laughs> than um, mm. maybe if I had taken time to listen to those, you know, passions and interests that were like, that I was drawn to, but I'm like, no, I have to be doing this. It's just a lot of um, like, I should be in this field Ugh. or not <laughs> and it's definitely you know catching up to me it's it has caught up to me yeah yep okay so first of all i can super relate to what you just <laughs> said because that is my experience too and then you go through this whole like speaking of self-compassion this is like the opposite right where you're yeah. beating yourself up because yep. you didn't listen to your inner voice earlier like mm -hmm. oh my gosh like we don't need to beat ourselves up, but that's the first thing we want to do because that that inner critic mm -hmm. comes directly from society and those stupid cultural messages that tell us we should have done it better and mm -hmm. we should have, you know, whatever. And so I think that that's another piece of it. It's not just about being okay with the uncertainty, but it's about being self-compassionate mm -hmm. and loving with yourself and kind to yourself and it's okay that I didn't know back then how could I have known back yeah, then yeah like that just takes so much pressure off mm -hmm. but yeah I totally know what mm -hmm. you're talking about I'm I've felt <laughs> the same way many many times yeah and that's why like but you're here it, now yep <laughs> yeah at this stage whether I did that before or not maybe I would still be here but you know if I were mm -hmm. if I were to be talking to you know someone who's like whether it's trying out trying a new major or considering switching I'd be like the first one to be like just do it and go for it you know why not um and and that's one and the other part is I feel like the fast track is almost has been like a disguise like hiding the fact that you may not you you don't want the world to know that you're really not sure so like really just being on this path of okay here's a timeline I'm going through this one thing to the other seems like that was sort of a disguise you know you don't that want to let the world to know <laughs> that you're not really sure yeah oh my gosh I can so relate to that <laughs> tell me tell me your story around that because I have one too what oh. is your story around that sort of fast track being a disguise <sighs> gosh um well Okay, going back to college, I was torn between two majors, and they were very different. Well, one was architecture, and the other one was music. And um, I feel like I, ch I don't want to say this to other musicians, but I chose a safer path in that I was more excited but scared about architecture, and music was sort of what I knew. And as much as, as it was a very competitive field, like it was still familiar. 
And so every decade of my life, like in my 20s, 30s, 40s now, I want to say like every five years, I really question, you know what, should I go back and pursue what I really wanted to do, but I didn't do it because of risk or fear. And every time be like, you know what, it's too late. I've already invested so much in this, in this, in this other profession. And then I just kept going at it. And I think I kept going to a point of like, like the very end of it to prove to myself, maybe to others that no, this is the right thing. You chose the right thing. <laughs> And you just go all the way thinking that that's really confirming this was it. And then I come out of it, getting to the very end of how much you can actually, you know, pursue a path. And you feel like, okay, well, maybe it still wasn't. <laughs> and that hasn't gone away. So that's my story. Wow. Mm. So it's just nonstop. I shouldn't say nonstop. Mm. I'm sure it goes away. <laughs> when yes. you push it when you push it down far enough, it goes away for a while. And then, yeah. it, and then it comes up. <laughs> and then it'll come come up mm-hmm. again and go down again, come up again. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so that's another thing, right? I mean, that's another piece I think of it that I think that everybody needs to be needs to know this you are not alone if you feel this nag to leave academia and you're like i can't do it though because i've invested too much i just Mm -hmm. cannot do it it's not okay remember that everyone who has left academia maybe not everyone Mm -hmm. but probably 99.9 percent of people who have finally left academia have gone through that um, and said to themselves, no, you can't leave. Mm -hmm. You've invested too much. No way. But then at some point, their heart takes hold and says, no, you are not living the rest of your life here. This is not acceptable. Yeah. (laughs) You have to get to that point. I just, I just want people to know that Mm -hmm. that's so normal and, and you can, yeah, it's so totally normal. And just because you've invested so much mm-hmm. in this one thing doesn't mean you don't have a whole lot of life to live where you could invest in something else. Yeah. And so like now I feel like I'm at a place where, you know, if I, by the time I come out the other side and I'm like close to retirement age, like even if I had maybe a couple years of a very fulfilling <laughs> professional life that's you know very suited to my personal values like maybe that's still worth it you know it's not you know it's not not worth doing that knowing that oh you know what you know that'll only be like few years and I'm I'm already time to retire but yeah I think even if it's like one year and plus we don't know how long we'll even be alive but at least I was on that path I think makes a difference Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I one of the things that I've said before is that um, once I got uh, that cancer diagnosis, there was like no turning back for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, I do everything I want to do. And I have no regrets Mm because I know that if I would have died from the cancer that I had, I would have regretted my life. Mm -hmm. If I died right now, I would not regret it. And yeah, that my God. is like powerful enough to do it. Oh my you know? gosh. Yeah. You just like put a big <laughs> thing in my heart right now. 
Mm. Like, oh, so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Because it comes down to really your quality of life. And, you know, because work had taken up too much of my life, myself. It colored the rest of anything that I cared about, which I never want to go back to. No, it's a terrible place mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it was just a, a, a filled with anxiety, that, mm-hmm. that place. Okay, so we. what else do you want to say about this informational interview that was not an informational interview? <laughs> I think we've decided to call it a journey interview. Mm-hmm. Um, what else... Um, what else have you learned about the process? What, where else do you want to go at this point in terms of figuring out your career? Like what what's resonating with you after having had this experience and this conversation? Well, it's it's definitely made the process seem less daunting, but at the same time that that it's really hard to do this on your own. So therefore you're seeking career coach to help go go through the process because even if you got through one barrier there's another one to (laughs) tackle and so just the much need for support you know whether it's a community or 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 coach or guide or mentor to because you're kind of in like new territory and sometimes you're not seeing what you should be seeing or you're you know just be able to like direct kind of your next steps so yeah so both like a little more confidence so it clarified like what was needed because I realized you know because even when I started LinkedIn and I I was kind of on that path of okay this is what I need to be doing I found myself not doing them you know in terms of all the recommended things you should be doing when you're in career career transition I was recommended okay six to ten weeks this is what you should be doing and I found myself not wanting to do it and so um just need I realized you know, maybe it's different needs for different folks, but I felt like I needed a little more support to go through it. Um, so that was something that I-, I think that's another really terrible cultural message that we feel like this is this is a lone wolf sort of process. Mm-hmm. Like you got to do it all on your own. You got to make you got to do the research. You got to you know do your own career development. You got to read the books. You got to be the doing the networking. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, no wonder so many people don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. It sounds terrible if it's just you against the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love what you said about like just seeking support, just seeking other people. And whether that comes in like the form of an online support group mm-hmm. or a career coach or finding like a discussion group of mm-hmm. other academics that want to leave like that 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 support knowing that you're not alone is such an important piece of 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 resilience yep and just the act of asking for help i mean i think that's or like admitting that you need help i think that's also a difficult one but that's i feel like just you said like if you if you present yourself as somebody who's kind of got it all figured out and you're just trying to get something out of them that's different than somebody who's open to seeing kind of where things lead um so that seems like an, it's good, good to know that's an advantage at some <laughs> at some places. Yeah, but just like yeah, asking for help. I mean, I think they may, maybe there's some shame attached to that. I don't know if it's just academia or just overall. And it's interesting hearing that p- 
people are surprised to find that people outside of academia actually like really like more eager to help you know and because right? you haven't experienced it like really like you don't really believe it until like I guess you start doing it right yeah so some things you have to experience for yourself to really like believe that it's true you know it's like a different level of knowing right and so it just kind of takes you to yeah the next place in that journey wow I love it that's that's a perfect place uh to end on do Mm. you have anything else that you would want to say before we go Well, I guess for those who are kind of in my place, um, that they're not alone and some experiences might be unique, but there are definitely common themes, (laughs) you know, in the process of leading your profession or especially academia and that, you know, if you seek it out, there's actually support, a network that um, can just help you through the process. Amen. <laughs> You're the best, Mildred. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today on Self-Compassionate Professor. I'm Danielle Delamar, wishing you a wonderful day and much happiness, health, and peace. Take care. <laughs>